Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Uh, we felt that it was very essential that uh, as a body we understand together corporately what we believe. And so we spent time dealing with our cardinal doctrine, salvation, sanctification, baptism, the Holy Spirit, divine healing, second coming. And now we've shifted gears to what we value. And over the course of this year we've been dealing, and I think even last year we've been dealing with seven core values. We've dealt with we value scripture, we value uh, Pentecost, we value uh, generosity. And so we are moving forward, and I didn't even recognize my own self how much this was going to tie into the climate change series, but you'll see that as we move forward in the coming weeks. But I always ask my dad to come and do this because I feel like he does it so much better than I ever could. And so today he's going to come and share with you the, the concept that we value all generations. And so would you please give a big passion welcome to my dad, Bob Ely, as he brings the word this morning. Thank you. Well, what a joy to be here and to worship the Lord with you in this uh, Labor Day weekend. I, I do have a message on Labor Day. I mean, a preacher can get a message about on anything. So uh, you can talk a lot about rest when you study the Scripture about what kinds of rest. But we're going to do different today. We're going to continue our study about our seven core values. And as we continue this study of these seven core values, we need to remember that they flow out of Isaiah chapter 54, Verses 2 through 3. It says, Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch forth the curtain of your habitation. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Then you shall break forth on the right hand and on the left. And out of that, we come up with this overall theme that we are a place of hope and a people of promise. In other words, as Pastor Steve's been preaching and teaching to us, these values, these seven core values are our climate. And as we set these values in our church, we get the climate right, then we can forecast the weather. In other words, as we strengthen the stakes and drive them deeper, as we lengthen the cords, we set the climate of this value, we can forecast what's going to happen. Our tent will be enlarged. We will spread forth to the right hand and the left. We'll break out. The tent will be able to encompass everyone. We will enlarge the dwelling of our habitation. And so as we value, prayerfully value Scripture, generosity, Pentecost, holiness, Christ's kingdom, justice, and all generations, as we establish that climate, then we can say without question, our tent will enlarge and we will encompass the right hand, the left hand, and encompass every generation into the kingdom of God. And that's what we're talking about. And we've dealt with three of them. We prayerfully value Scripture, we prayerfully value generosity, and we prayerfully value Pentecost. And so today we're going to do the fourth one. We prayerfully value all generations. And my overall title is R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Now, I'm about to date myself because when I first came up with that, it took me all the way back to 1967 and Aretha Franklin. And I almost broke out in... And then I decided I would Google it and read the lyrics, and 
I like the R-E-S-P-E-C-T part, but the rest of the lyrics are not suitable to bring into the church. So uh, we'll just start with this one. I want to call some uh, scriptures to you. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul's writing to his son and Lord Timothy, and he said, that precious memory triggers another. Your honest, unfeigned faith, and what a, fr a rich faith it is, handed down from your grandmother Lois to your mother Eunice, and now to you. The faith came from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 2 uh, says this, Faith is the reason we remember great people who lived in the past. Their faith is what makes us remember them, honor them, and respect them. And then in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 12, he says, I am writing to you, my dear children, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature, fathers, parents, veterans, because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. And I am writing to you who are young or to young people or to newcomers because you have won your battle with Satan. I've written to you children because you have known the Father. I've written to you who are mature because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. And I've written to you who are young because you are strong with God's word living in your hearts and you have won your battle with Satan. He is writing to every generation. And so I want to talk to you about why we value and honor all generations. And we do that because we have respect. We honor them. We value them. We regard them with honor and value because of these reasons. Number one, God ordains it and orders it. We now live in a generation and a culture in America that devalues certain classes and certain groups and especially certain ages. In America today, we devalue without much respect or value for the very young, especially the unborn. Since 1963 in Roe v. Wade, and the abortion uh, meals that have developed across America, there have been 40-plus million unborn children aborted. Can you wrap your mind around that? 40-plus million potential people, people with destiny, stamped with the image of God, and what a difference that could make in our society. Can you imagine how we have wiped out a whole generation of people that had potential to change things in this country because we devalued them. And in our culture, not only is it the very young, but we devalue the very old. We're now involved in what we call warehousing, nursing homes, retirement centers, a place where we simply take the very old that cannot care for themselves and are incapacitated and actually put them away in a particular place and neglect them, basically forsaken. Now, if you don't believe that, then I'll tell you how to spend your Labor Day holiday. Pick out a nursing home or two in Oklahoma City and go visit it. And walk the halls and go into the rooms. And you will be beset by people that are basically forgotten and neglected of their own families, that are warehoused and removed off the scene because we have devalued them as a class of people. That was not true in early America. In our early American history, we lived in extended families, especially in the rural areas. And it went without question.
question that when grandmother and grandfather could no longer take care of themselves, they were not warehoused. They simply moved in with their children. And you have this extended family of grandparents, mom and dad, children. They uh, talked together. They ate together. They actually had meals where they didn't go out to the fast food place. And they would sit around the table and they would discuss the issues of life and stories and tales from the past would be shared. Experiences would be shared with one another so that value and morals and history would be transferred from one generation to the next. And now we're moving away from that. But it is not true of God either. God respects and ordains in orders that honor and respect and value for every generation. And it flows out of the fact that God is to be respected. The Bible says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. And the Hebrew word for fear is yareh, which literally means to reverence, to trust, that awesomeness of God that produces respect and reverence for Him. It's not a, a word that means we tremble in fear against. But once we understand how awesome God is, once we see who he really is and the awesomeness of his person and his character and his nature, we immediately begin to fear him. We respect him. We reverence him. We value him and we honor him. And that was commanded of God. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that Blessed, happy to be envied, filled with great joy is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. Because once we respect and reverence God, that instills in us the foundation for all other understanding. And so when the Lord gave the law to Moses and the Ten Commandments, the first four dealt with respect for God. We are to have no other gods except him. We're to create no graven images of a God. In fact, he said, if we rebelled and turned to idolatry, he would visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the children, even to the third and the fourth generation. But at the same time, he made the promise that his mercy would extend to every generation. We're not to take his name in vain, and we're to keep his day holy. And those first four commandments says, you are to respect and to honor, to reverence, to value God. And once we've learned the respect for God, then out of that respect for him, we begin to respect all others, including every generation. And these are the ones that we are to respect. The first one is the unborn. We are to respect and to honor and to value that unborn generation because the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he knit us together one strand at a time, that we are created, stamped with the image of God, that God had breathed into us the breath of life, and we have become a living soul. Don't you remember Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5? God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born and came out of the womb, I sanctified you and consecrated you and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. You need to remember again Isaiah chapter 46, verses 3 and 4. I have carried you since you were born. The King James says, I have carried you since you were in the belly. I have carried you from the birth. Even when you are old, I will be the same. 
Even when your hair is gray, I will take care of you. I made you and will take care of you. I will carry you and save you and deliver you. So because we respect God, out of that we respect all other generations. We value and honor them, beginning with the unborn. Secondly, we value and respect parents. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16. Honor and respect and value your father and your mother as the Lord commands you that your days may be prolonged and that may go well with you in the land that I've given to you. Ephesians chapter 6 repeats this. Honor your father and mother. It is the first commandment with promise that it might be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And when you turn to Colossians chapter 3, Paul says if we don't take care of our own, if we don't respect and honor our own relatives, our parents, then we are worse than an infidel. In fact, you'll remember with me, in the Old Testament, God put it like this. He said that if you disobey your parents, if you disrespect them, the penalty was immediately death by stoning. Don't look at me like that. That's exactly what God said. In fact, it was exemplified many times. In the New Testament, it was exemplified in Luke chapter 15 in the story of the prodigal son. You remember that what the prodigal son really did was disrespect his dad. You know what he said? I want that part of the inheritance that belongs to me. The only way that he can get his part of the inheritance is if his dad dies. So literally what he is saying is, Dad, I wished you were dead because if you were dead, I would have my part of the inheritance. And in that aspect, he, dis, his parents, disrespected them. And the Bible says that we are to honor them. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is well-pleasing to God. In fact, when Paul begins to talk to you about end-time signs and what's going on in the last day, he lists all those terrible sins, unthankful, unholy, incontinent, fierce, truth breakers, despisers of those that are good, fornicators, without natural affection. And in both 2 Timothy and Romans 1, you know what he puts in that list? Disobedient to parents. Without respect and value and honor for those who brought you into the world. So because we respect God, out of our respect and honor and value for God, we respect and value the unborn, and we respect and value our parents. And then also we respect and value the elderly and elders, which are spiritual leaders. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 32, the Lord said this to Israel, you are to stand up, you are to rise up in respect for those that have white hair. Uh, we don't quite do that anymore, but that's what he said. That when someone with white hair, which was a sign of old age and wisdom, comes into the room, Israel was to stand up in respect. In fact, he goes on to say that you are to honor the face of an old man and fear God, respect God, for I am your Lord. And in the New Testament, he tells us to take care of widows. You remember Acts chapter 6. One of the first things the church did was they realized that there was a group of the elderly, the widows, that were not being taken care of. And they chose seven men that we call deacons, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, to do one thing, to make sure that the elderly was taken care of and respected. I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but 
And that is repeated in 1 Timothy chapter 5. In fact, the first 16 verses deals with respect. It says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat and beseech him as a father. And then it says, treat your elderly women as mothers and honor the widows. And the next 13 verses deals with taking care of the elderly. But not only are we to respect the elderly, we are to respect elders who are spiritual leaders in the church. In fact, the Old Testament says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. You, you want to see an example of disrespect and not honoring those spiritual leaders? Turn to 2 Kings and read the story of Elisha who was a prophet of God. And, and he took the place of Elijah. You with me? Okay. And what happened to Elijah? He was taken up by a whirlwind into the... And so now Elisha's walking along the road, and 42 children come out and begin to diss him. And you know what they said? Go up, O bald head. Go up, O bald head. Now, what are they doing? They're disrespecting the past generation. Go up is a reference to Elijah. They're disrespecting the present leader by calling him a bald head. Amen. And what happened? Elisha turns and curses them, and bears come out of the woods and destroy 42 of them. You're looking at me. What it tell, the whole principle of this is that God ordains. God orders us to respect one another. And especially those who are elders. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, we respect them for teaching. It says they're worthy of double honor. And double honor means we respect them for what they teach and we financially support them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says to esteem them highly in love for the work's sake, to know them that labor among you and that admonish you. Remember that they spoke the word of God to you. Obey them because they watch over your souls and they have to do an account to God for your souls so make sure that they can do it in joy so that we respect elders and we respect the elderly in the church. And then we respect and honor and value the pioneers of the faith. In fact, the book of Hebrews says, even though they are dead, they yet speak. In other words, when you read Hebrews chapter 11, and we call it the, 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 the chapter of faith or the hall of heroes, it's like you're going through a museum and you see the picture and the portrait of all those who were pioneers of the faith and how they lived out the faith and transferred the faith to others. And as you see their picture, it inspires you. It motivates you. It encourages you to run with patience the race that is set before you. We respect them because of their faith and because they serve the Lord with gladness. And we remember. Another translation simply says that it's like the fact we're on the racetrack and they're the crowd. We're encompassed with a great crowd of witnesses and they are in the arena and they're cheering us on to the finish line. They're encouraging us to run forward in the faith because they without us cannot be made perfect, complete. So what we do is we honor those who are pioneers, who have given their life in the service of the Lord. And the Bible says we do this because we consider their faith. And the end of their faith is Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. And that's what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, when I pray, I'm reminded of you. And when I'm reminded of you, I, I remember that unspoiled, honest faith that is in you. But I remember that first it was in your grandmother. 
and then it was in your mother. And now I'm persuaded that it's in you as well. And we honor grandmother and we honor mother because they brought the faith down to you. They were pioneers that brought the faith into your life as well. So we honor those who are pioneers in the faith. And then we honor everyone. We value everyone regardless of their age, their race, their gender, or their status. In fact, after the Lord gives the first four commandments about respect and honor for God, what does he do next? He gives us six commandments that deal with honor and respect for everyone. He says, value their person, their life, no murder. Value their possessions, do not steal and do not covet. Value their privacy, there's no adultery. And value their purity, you're not to tell lies and bear false witness. So the respect, you're looking at it. The respect for God flows over in our respect for everyone, regardless of their age, their gender, their class, their race. It doesn't matter. We respect their life. We respect their possessions. We respect their privacy. We honor them because it flows out of our respect and our reverence for God. We honor all generations. Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, Colossians chapter 3, 1 Peter begins to put it into perspective. He says, husbands, love your wives, honor them, respect them, value them. Amen. That was a good place for the ladies to say amen. And then he turns around and says, wives, submit, honor, respect, love, value your husband. And he gives the, the example that Sarah had such a reverence and a respect for Abraham that she called him Lord. Okay, relax. <laughs> I, I'm not telling you to go home and call your husband Lord. I, that's not where I'm at. But what it shows was that intrinsic within the relationship with God was this value and respect for one another. And he doesn't stop there. He's in, then he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is well-pleasing unto God. And then he turns to the fathers again, and he says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Do not stir them up to anger, but bring them up in the fear and the admonition, the respect and the honor of the Lord. And then he doesn't leave anybody out. He says, servants, obey and honor your masters. And masters, I, I, I know, I know the servant thing and the mentality, but wait. That was their culture. They weren't going to change that. But Paul changed it like this. He said, if you are a follower of Jesus and you find yourself in the position as a servant, you're not a servant, you're God's freed person. And in light of that, you are to honor and respect your master. You don't treat him as a master, but you treat him as a brother in Christ. And you do your service not to be honored of him, but to be honored of God. And then he turns to the master and says, now wait, if you're a believer, that's not just your servant. That is your brother in the Lord. And you are to respect and to honor. You see, the whole theme is that we value every generation, regardless of their class, regardless of their race, regardless of their age, regardless of their status. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says, we treat the elders as our father. We treat the older women as our mothers. We treat the younger men as our brothers, and we treat the younger women as our sisters. They're, I know kids looking at me. <laughs> That'd help you in your dating relationship if you'd treat the younger woman as your sister. Amen. It would change some perspectives. But, but what the Bible is getting at is respect. And so 
God values all generations. He says they're all valuable. They're chosen to be used of God. And so he talks about Terah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Ephraim and Manasseh and Judah because the faith was transferred from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. From Moses to Joshua, from Joshua to the elders, from King David to his son Solomon, from Solomon to Rehoboam. And so the scripture I read you in 1 John is simply he says this, You fathers... I'm writing to you. What, what did he say, fathers? You're mature in the Lord. You have known him from the beginning. You have endured the tests and the trials. You're the one that initially came into the faith, and you remain faithful in the faith. So I'm writing to that first generation because you've known him from the beginning. And then he says, I, I, I'm writing unto you young men because you're strong in the Lord and because the word of God dwells in you and you've overcome the wicked one. And then he says, but I'm writing to all you babes in Christ, all you children. You know him because he's forgiven your sins. And now you have come into relationship with God, and I'm not leaving any generation out. They all deserve our honor, our respect, our reverence. And then secondly, we value and respect of all generations because of who they are. One, they're stamped with the image of God. They're formed by God in the womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. Breath of life is within them. They have a destiny and a purpose of God, so we value them. And not only that, but because they're the sons and the daughters of God. They've been saved. There's heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. They're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. They are God's peculiar people, his special purchased possession. They're adopted and accepted in the beloved and in the church. And so we value them because they're stamped with his image and they're saved and they're his sons and his daughters. And then we value them because they're spirit-filled and gifted. God poured out his spirit. He didn't leave any generation out. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon your sons and your daughters, upon your old men, upon your young men, upon your servants and upon your handmaids. So you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We value and honor and respect you because you're filled with God's spirit. And not only that, the spirit within you has gifted you. He has placed within you gifts and abilities and destinies that are in no other. And we honor that gift of God that is within you. And not only do we respect generations because they're spirit-filled and gifted, but because they are set in the body of Christ, which is the church. The Bible says it like this. You are members in particular. You're unique and individual. But you are members one of another. Now, the unique thing in society is you get to pick your friends, but you don't get to choose your family. And whether you like it or not, we're part of God's family. He, he saved you. He baptized you into the body of Christ. He set you in this fellowship of believers. And though you are a member in particular, stamped with the image of God, saved and filled with the Spirit and gifted, and we honor and respect you, you're members of one another. We're bone of bone and flesh of flesh, the Bible says. The way we used to express that is, we would call one another brother and sister because that's the only way we could express it. God's our Father. We've been saved by the Son, filled with the Spirit. So that makes you my brother. That makes you, that makes you my family. Now, I didn't choose you. God chose you. And since God chose you and set you in the body, you are important unto me. I honor and respect you because he put you in the body of Christ. I didn't do that. He did that. And he had gifted you in a unique way. 
so that you have a gift that I need. I don't have all the gifts, and neither do you. But you have what I need, and I have what you need, so that we edify and build one another up. You arm and strengthen me, and I arm and strengthen you, so that when we come together and you give your gift and I give my gift, the whole body grows up. So I need you. In fact, he said, not everybody's the eye. Because if everybody was the eye, nobody could hear. So somebody's got to be the ear. And somebody's got to be the voice. And somebody's got to be the hand. And he said, in fact, those members that are less comely, that we don't think about very often, are the ones we honor and need the most. Let me give you an example. If you cut off your big toe, you would be in trouble. Now, it doesn't seem like much. It's just one out of five on one foot. But there's a unique thing that happens if you cut off your big toe. You lose your sense of equilibrium. I had a friend whose big toe was severed in a lawnmower accident. He said, you don't under, no, understand the, the pain, not just the loss of the toe. He said, I had to learn to walk all over again. I had to learn to move and to run. All, because without that big toe, the whole sense of my equilibrium was disrupted. And I had to start all over again. We can't do without you. You might feel like you're the most insignificant part of the body of Christ, but we've got to have you. You have something to give that nobody else can give in this fellowship. God set you here. We honor you. We value. We respect you because you're part of this body. So that when you weep, we weep. And when you're honored, I'm not jealous. I rejoice because I'm being honored in you. So what the Lord is saying is we respect all generations because of who they are. And then we respect them because of what they did in the past. Their service, their sacrifice, the message that they presented, the faith that they transferred from one generation to another. I had an older man, pastor friend in the western part of the state when I was superintendent out there. His name was Albert Trent. He was 83 years old, still pastoring a church. He had been our former conference superintendent, the first superintendent of that area. And under his leadership, he had established 19 churches. Now, this is the way he did it. He played a guitar, and he and his wife and his daughter sang. Now, I doubt if he could do it this way now. But he would go into a small western Oklahoma town and rent a storefront. And he would advertise a revival. And he would stand up and play and sing every night, he and his family, and preach. They're the only ones there. He'd still preach. And they wouldn't go out during the day and invite people. And pretty soon, two or three would come. Then four, five, six. Before the re He would stay there for weeks. And before the revival was over, he would establish a church. He did that 19 times. I wrote him to, to, to write me a letter about his ministry to share with the youth king. And at 83, he wrote and explained everything that he had done. And at 83, at the end of the letter, you know what he said? I believe I could do it again. That same fire, that same, we respect them. But uh, uh, the McClure family at Apache, Jeff McClure was the, the leader of that McClure family. was a prominent family in the Apache church. He preached for 52 years. He was a singer, preached holiness. Yet he told me one time before he died about one of his pastorates. It was in Fort Cobb, Oklahoma. They built a building out of green lumber. And when it dried, you know what happened? There's cracks in the building. It was a small shotgun short, church with a, a platform. He took his seven children and lived on that platform. That was his parsonage. 
On Sunday morning, they'd get up, get ready for church, take a curtain, close off the platform, and they would preach and sing and win people to Jesus at great expense and cost to themselves because they were in love with the mass. Why do we respect generations? Because of what they did. Uh, I, I, could, I could talk about my own mother-in-law, but I won't. But it, it's a fact that we honor them because of their service. And then we respect them because of what they're doing in the present. They're sharing the word of God with us. We are to know them. We're to esteem them highly in love for the work's sake. We're, render, we're to render honor unto them that speak the word. And we're to follow their faith because we consider the end of it. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. And then we honor generations because of potentially what they shall do in the future. Our sons, our daughters, our grandsons and granddaughters, our greats. Now, I know, and, and Woody understands why, I know they're part of the church right now. I understand that. But do you understand, potentially, what they can do in the kingdom of God? Do you understand that they have technology and information and social medias and things I never dreamed of in my lifetime? And that with that technology alone, the potentiality for spreading the kingdom of God and sharing the faith with other generations is unlimited. When I look at them, I want to break out in that old song, I'm a promise, I'm a possibility, I'm a great big bundle of potentiality. <laughs> Why? We honor them because of what they've done, because of what they're doing, and because of what they shall do. So the climate of our church is that we value and respect and esteem in the Lord all generations. And as we establish that climate, we strengthen the stakes, we enlarge the cords, the habitation spreads out. That's why this children's center is so important and your gifts are so important because we honor and esteem the potentiality of that generation of children and we need to encompass them as well. And maybe for a moment, you remember somebody. Do you remember a past generation? A grandmother, a grandfather, a pastor, a teacher that imparted and taught you? You respect them and honor them because of what they did in your life. Maybe you remember a present generation, someone that's pouring into your life now, that's making a difference in your life. And I know that you can look in the eyes of faith to your own children and grandchildren and see the potentiality of what's going to happen. Now, we're blessed in passion to have many living examples. I told them in the morning service, I started to do the White, Baker, Arthur, Castleberry generation because I knew Brother White, old-time preacher. Leroy Baker is one of the great evangelists in our church. And out of him and Evelyn came Carlene and Mark Arthur, from which comes John and April that's in our church generation. I thought about, I thought about the Hooper generation. I thought about the Hamilton generation. But we are blessed and passion to have a particular living example of what I'm talking about respecting and honoring generation. And that is Elvio and June Canavacio, Esther and Danny Nix and their children. In 1920s, early 1920s, a young Norwegian couple by the names of Andresen came to Chicago to a Pentecostal church. And out of that great revival, they were called to Argentina. They didn't know where Argentina was. They didn't even know what language Argentina spoke. But called of God, they went to Argentina, preached on a street corner, sang with an organ, and a mother came to that service. She had permission of her, her husband to come. 
and was gloriously saved. And all she had was a six-year-old son by the name of Elvio. And she put that son on the bed and looked eye level with him and made this promise to God. God, I thank you for saving me. I don't have anything else to give, but I give you this boy. Elvio married the Andresen's daughter, Emma. And starting in 1946, gave himself to missions, winning the loss, establishing churches. And he's done it for 67 years of his life. When he started that ministry, our church was in four countries from South America to Mexico. And today now we're in 17 countries. He was part of a great move of the Holy Spirit in Argentina, that whole South American continent that started with approximately 1.5 million believers and today has over 75 million. And he was instrumental in that. After Emma's death, he married June Carter, who had started her own missionary career in 1954, given 50 years of her life to service in Mexico and Argentina, Costa Rica. Together, they share 117 years of service, of winning the lost and touching others. And she helped develop Curisum, a 30-year anniversary of that advanced ministerial training that has preserved the harvest. We value Elvio and June Conavacio. We respect and honor them for what they did. And now we have Esther Conavacio, Nix, and Danny. Seven years ago, part of the core group that started Passion, care pastors in this church, sound man extraordinaire involved in their own ministry and missions and we value them for what they're doing and now we value that next generation Brian graduated from Southwestern Christian University in Losotu South Africa nation in South Africa directing an orphanage involved in taking people off the streets and out of human trafficking and Seth who's presently attending Southwestern and is involved in awakening Right here in the element, this summer alone, went to Haiti, Costa Rica, Budapest, Hungary. We value every generation. We value people that give all their life to the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the next generation that are giving their lives right here, caring for you. And a future generation that have already started potentially to make a difference in the world for Jesus. I want you to stand with me right now. Hallelujah. I, I, I want you to humor me. If you're close to your generations. Mom and dad and children. Grandchildren. If your grandparents are here. Would, would you get with your generations? Would you just kind of get all your generations? And I'm going to ask a dear friend and a man that I love and respect so deeply in the Lord. And his dear wife, I'm going to ask Brother Elvio Conovacio and Sister June and Danny and Esther and Seth. And they're going to come up here. And while you get with your generations, they're going to pray over us. Because we need to drive this stake deep in this church and enlarge the cord to where we value, honor, and respect every generation for what they did, for what they're doing what they shall do and I'm going to ask Brother Elvio to lead us in prayer and bless you and bless your generations in the name of the Lord praise the Lord shall we pray Heavenly Father we are just so grateful 
this morning that you love generations, that your work is carry on through the generations. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that you, you gave us, that you will be with us. And now I pray that we may be able to be great fathers and mothers, that we may teach our children the ways of the Lord, that the work of God may reach the climax one day when the trumpet blow, blows. Father, I remember the verse that you gave me some years ago in Genesis when he says, For, for I know him, Abraham, that he command his children in his household after him, and they shall keep the ways of the Lord, doing justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which was spoken for him. So, Father, all that you have promised us, all the blessings that we can be in this world, is really resting on that part because they taught their children the ways of the Lord. Because I know that they will, will walk in my ways. And, Father, let us be fathers and mothers, that we will pass on this torch for the glory of God until the day when the bride will be brought in in your presence. Lord, we ask it in the name of Jesus. And I wonder how many fathers and mothers, and also like Brother Bob preached, how the potentiality that is in you, you're single, you're young, lady, young man, how many of you like to be that generation that will pass on that torch of the kingdom of God to the next one? How many will you raise your hand? Father, look at those hands, those hands this morning. Thank you for what you've done in the past. Thank you for this message that Brother Bob preached to us. Central for the kingdom of heaven. We respect, we love these generations because through on on the shoulders of these generations, the kingdom of heaven is preached around the world. So take me, Lord. Use my wife. Use my children. Let them be torched for the kingdom of heaven until Jesus comes, we pray. And say with me, Jesus' name we pray. Man, would you like to be a, a great leader in the kingdom? Thank you, thank you, thank you. You may be seated for just a second. Thank you for the word, Dad, and thanks for the Conovacios and the Nixes. And uh, we haven't really talked about this out in public a lot, but most of you know that we intentionally go after a younger generation. But you're never going to hear us rail against the older generation. We are thankful for the older generation that tags along with us and pushes us and empowers us. And we are thankful for the older folks that come to this church. Amen. Uh, you, we need you to help us to reach an, another generation, and so we're thankful for that. The ushers are pre preparing. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.